3: Hello there, Duke basketball fans, and welcome to episode number 29 of the DBR Duke Basketball Report podcast. I am your host this week. I am Jason Evans. You know me on the DBR boards because my name on the boards is also Jason Evans. Joining me, as usual, my colleagues, my uh, partners in crime, Donald Wine, Blazing DW. Say hi, Donald.
4: What's up, everybody?
3: And from Denver, Colorado, Sam Klein. Sam, what's up, my friend?
2: Hey guys, I just got back from a uh, Duke Forward uh, planning meeting. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I'll talk about it at the end.
3: Okay, cool. We look yeah. forward to that. A couple hours ago, before Sam could join us, Donald and I got things kicked off and started with a very special guest as we wanted to preview the Northwestern game, the big football game that's coming up. So, first thing for you guys in the podcast, we're going to let you listen to that interview. in just a few days the undefeated duke football team faces its toughest test the season a game against northwestern out of the big 10 conference northwestern generated a lot of buzz a couple weeks ago when it opened the season by defeating a stanford team that many people thought was among the best teams on the west coast and northwestern is now ranked in most of the polls so here at the dbr podcast we wanted to really treat this northwestern battle with respect so we contacted the sports information department at northwestern and asked them to give us access to one of Northwestern's head coaches and they listened, but we didn't ask for the football coach. We wanted the Northwestern coach that all you Duke fans know and love the most. So joining us now on the DBR podcast is the head coach of the Northwestern basketball team, who of course is a beloved former Duke player and Duke assistant coach. And one of the best outside shooters I ever saw in a Duke uniform, Chris Collins is with us. Chris, thanks so much for joining us on the DBR podcast.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. I appreciate those words. Uh, always great to talk to uh, to the Duke people. It's uh, as happy as I am here. You, you know, there's always a part of me that that bleeds Duke blue. So it's uh, it's good to be on the show.
3: Amen to that. Hey, let me let me start with sort of the silliness of a football preview. Um, as the basketball coach, do you know anything about the strengths and weaknesses of the Northwestern football team? That you can tell us. <laughs>
0: I do a little bit. I uh, you know, Coach Fitz uh, FitzGerald and I have become really good friends. Um, you know, he's been great to me. He's Mr. Northwestern here was an all-American linebacker. Uh, we're the same age, uh, so contemporaries, both from the Chicago area and has been very helpful in my transition uh, coming to Northwestern, so uh, I've taken an active interest in, in what they're doing, and I was actually at the Stanford game, and uh, the the main strength of, of, the, of Northwestern's team has been their defense. Um, it's a veteran group, a lot of athleticism, a lot of speed. The secondary has um, is, is played really well, and and I believe they, at first two games, they neither team scored a touchdown against them, so uh, the, the defense has been a real strength, and and I would say the strength on offense is their running back, Justin Jackson. Uh, he had a great freshman year last year and, and really is the guy, you know, we, we have a freshman quarterback here. So, you know, they're trying to control the ball and, and make simplify it for him and uh, put the ball in Justin's hands as much as possible to move the chains.
3: Uh, now, you know, I messed up because my colleague Donald Wine was actually supposed to ask you the football questions. So I feel <laughs> terrible. Donald, Donald, I jumped in first. Go ahead, Donald, ask him another football question.
4: Oh no problem. So so uh first of all, be honest. Is Duke is Northwestern in football where do your legions fly? Who are you rooting for in inside? <laughs> well, you know me, I mean I went to Duke.
0: I love Duke. Uh it's hard to say I'm at Northwestern now. I love, I love both. Uh, I really do. Being here, going into my third year, um, you know, it's that's a hard question. I, I, want both teams to play well. I, you know, really uh, was able to witness firsthand what Coach Cutcliffe took over there at Duke when he first started, and a lot of the things that he's done and the way he's changed that culture there has been a model for me here with Northwestern basketball. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of Coach Cut and everything he's accomplished. And, and like I said, I've become great friends with coach Fitz, and i uh, love what they're doing here and um it's been fun to watch our football program as well so uh it's tough to say die hard deep down i i you know it's it's one of those whoever wins i guess i'd be happy and uh and hope both teams play well i wish both could win because they're my two favorite
4: teams
3: there's no question about it
4: i think we can we can be okay with that answer what about you jason <laughs> yeah, I,
3: mean, I can live with that and um let, let's move on to basketball now Um, You know, everyone says you've really got the Northwestern program moving in the right directions after decades of being um, the doormat of the Big Ten. Uh, Give me a preview of this season. How well do you think you guys can do this year?
0: Well, I'm really excited about what what we have a chance to become. Um, We have seven of our top eight scorers back uh, from last year. We played a lot of young guys last year. uh, I had my first uh, recruiting class of five guys, Uh, three of them. Started a bunch of games and, and, and were able to get a lot of experience. Um, I have two really good seniors uh, coming back Trey Demps, whose father Dell is. The general manager of the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, Then I have a seven-foot center, Alex Ola, who's a senior as well. Um, You know, we were able to pick up a fifth-year grad transfer, starting center from Virginia Tech, Joey Van Zegren, who I think will really help us on the front line as a veteran guy. Um, Excited about our recruiting class coming in. We're adding a couple pieces there, so um, I think we have a chance. We're we're definitely the most talented team that I've coached uh, since I've been here. Uh, I like our depth. I like our mix of veterans and, and youth and the problem is our league is so good you know you just uh as good as you feel coming into the season about your own own team so do uh 14 other teams in our league and you know what what i found out coaching the big 10 it's such a great league and, and so hotly contested you have to find a way to win close games and you know for us last year we weren't able to get that done in the early part of our schedule we we won our first league game and then lost 10 consecutive games, but the first six of those were by a combined 24 points, I think, and a number of them came down to the last possession, and we went 0-6 in those six close games, so uh, we ended up 6-12, and but... You know you win three or four of those close ones, then all of a sudden you're nine and nine or ten and eight. So you know that's that's how you know thin of line it is, uh, you know in terms of success or or not playing well. So so much of what we need to be able to do is hopefully play at a high level, get great play from our older players and find a way to win close games when we get into the conference.
3: and And I would imagine that a lot of that is a, a, a cultural thing that there's a culture um that you experienced at Duke where you guys expected to win. Um, And at Northwestern, obviously, the culture is much more challenging. Can you talk about, you know, have you tried to recreate a little bit of the Duke culture there at Northwestern? Yeah, you know,
0: there's no question a lot of the values, a lot of the standards um, are things. I mean, Duke is where I learned. It's it's what I know. and, And... (laughs) you know, you'd be <laughs> to to try to emulate some of the things that Coach has done with the Duke program is, is not a bad thing. And you know, you have to be careful though, because every situation is is its own unique situation. So you know, a lot of the things we do in terms of how we try to train, how we practice, how we prepare, you know, things of that nature, um, you know, are things that I learned from Coach and from being around Duke. And and then we also have to to put our own unique spin on things. But there's no question that uh, uh, our culture has been getting better it it was um you know i came into a situation where you know there was a lot of losing and 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 the belief wasn't very high and that's part of the whole deal is is playing well but then when you get in a tough spot at the end of a game whether it be at home or road having the belief that you're going to make the plays down the stretch to win the game and you know that's our next step and you know hopefully we're we're ready to do that i feel really good about how the summer's gone for us. I, I, feel, I feel good about the leadership we have on the floor, and, and now now you got to go out there and do it, you know, and that's, that's what's great about the game is you can talk uh, about a lot of things, but you get a chance to go out there and actually uh, do it on the floor against high-level competition, and we're looking forward to seeing what we can do this year.
3: Okay, Coach Collins, let's play a little recruiting game. Pretend that I, Jason Evans, am a top 100-ranked recruit and you're trying to get me to come to Northwestern, what's the pitch? What do you tell people to say to to, to get them to come to Northwestern and play for you?
0: Well, you know, I think obviously uh, for us, we have a lot of positives and even though we don't have the tradition of a Duke or of a Kentucky Carolina, the the blue buds of college basketball, you know, to me, it can be exciting to, to be a part of building that kind of tradition. And, you know, we, I'm a younger coach who's just getting this thing started. I, I plan to be here for a long time and, and, and build a winning program. And, um, you know, I just, we, we want guys that are kind of wired the same way that I am as a coach and my staff is that the the, the challenge of, of trying to, to, to cross that bridge and and do some things that have never been done here um, is exciting and not something that views as a negative but actually a positive and you know for us being right outside Chicago we you know one of the best cities in the country um, obviously the academic component is uh, is second to none you know you, you talk about Stanford Duke in our place probably the three where you get high level of both where you're in a power five conference but Stanford, Still get a top ten education um you know so it's 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 to me there's so many positives and you know I think people are seeing that we're on the right track uh we're close to getting it done and and hopefully that would be exciting to to young guys to come and be a part of it and you know that's kind of what we're selling is our vision and our dreams of what we would like this to become. And we just hope that that those guys see uh, see that vision and and want to be a part of it and and fortunately, in these last couple of years we've we've gotten a good group of you know we have the, our first two recruiting classes we were able to bring in eight guys um, who'll we'll have another bigger class coming in next year, so you know we've been able to kind of in three years kind of change the face of our roster and and get guys that really want to be here and want to be a part of what we feel can be something very special.
3: Uh, I I know Donald wanted to ask you a couple questions about your time at Duke, so I'm going to let him take over for a couple minutes.
4: Donald? Okay. um, Coach Collins, uh, we were going to ask about your time at Duke. You you obviously were there uh, quite a while as a player and as a coach. So give us a couple of your favorite memories. I know there's a ton, but give us a couple as a coach and as a player.
0: Well, going back to my playing days, I mean, there was uh, so many great memories. I mean, for me, I came in to a program that you know was back-to-back national champions so you know having a chance my early years to play with Bobby Hurley and Grant Hill and Cherokee Parks uh you know really for me that 94 team as a player was one that was incredibly special we we just we we had such a great bond with each other it was Grant's senior year with Tony Lang and Marty Clark and you know, we made that run all the way to the national championship game, and you know, we're one Scotty Thurman rainbow three away from winning the whole thing. And you know, I think for me, right. a, a memory. You were,
3: you were actually you were one Chris Collins rimmed out three. Yeah, I I didn't I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up, but uh, I I think about
0: that all the time. I I still feel like you know, as a shooter, when you shoot that, when you take the shot, you know when you make a shot or you miss it. And I just hit a couple in a row in that game. I I had it going a little bit and got a clean look from the top and man when I let it go I thought it was in and uh just just wasn't meant to be and that was a tough you know tough pill to swallow coming that close but you know just having a chance to play in a final four in a national championship I remember being out on that court before those games and just kind of looking around and kind of going back to my childhood and all the times that I was in my backyards playing by myself and envisioning myself dreaming of, of playing in games like that and all of a sudden there I was and that was that was amazing to be a part of that and I loved be I loved playing on that team. We 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 had a lot of fun that year and and personally for me um you know just my senior year, you know, going through uh ninety five was not easy when coach was out. Uh I had broken my foot the first uh first day of practice that year uh, had a had a really tough year individually. Team wise, we really struggled. We lost a lot of close games, and you know, went from the national title game to to last place in the ACC, which was not fun, uh, especially when you're a part of the Duke program. And so, my senior year, I, I even though you know we didn't take it into a deep uh, NCAA tournament run. Um, that year, that group in 96, uh, we finished the year really strong. I was able to have a great month. Uh, my last month of my career, you know, we won a bunch of games, beat UCLA. was defending national champs, won at the buzzer at Maryland, you know, fought our way to the NCAA tournament with an undermanned team. Uh, I took a lot of pride and satisfaction into kind of getting Duke back on the right track. And, you know, really from that year on, uh, we haven't looked back. So, um, as a player, those probably those two teams were, were really special teams and special memories. You know, as a coach, certainly coming back my first year in two thousand one and being a part of, you know, to me, maybe the most talented Duke team, um, you know, with Shane and, and Mike Dunleavy and Jason and Duhan and Boozer and, you know, making our march and winning the national championship. That was you know having come clo- having come up short as a player and then being able to be at the mountaintop there as my first year as an assistant coach that was that was an awesome team to be a part of and to be able to to feel that feeling of winning the whole thing and then you know probably my favorite team that we ever coached was 2010 um you know we had such a unique group of guys uh coming into that season uh we had lost Gerald Henderson to the pros uh, we had lost Elliot Williams right before the school year. You know, he he had gone back to Memphis to be with his mother, who was ailing. Um, people had counted us out. Marty Pochus had decided to go back to Europe and and uh, pursue a career there. So, um, you know, we were a little bit undermanned in terms of numbers, especially on the perimeter. But we had such a great nucleus. You know, with that senior class with Shire and Zubek and Lance Thomas. And then you added the two juniors of Nolan and Kyle. Uh, Then we had the Plumlee boys. Andre Dawkins came in early. Uh, Remember he uh, chose to come in early to help us out on the perimeter and um, that was just a really special run. Nobody expected that championship. Um, it was an old-school team, in my opinion. A bunch of veteran guys that had been through the wars, you know, as freshmen. They lost to VCU on a last-second shot by Eric Maynard. And and then four years later, um, you know, we're, we've won the whole thing. And what an epic game against Butler in the national championship game. And, you know, really as a coach, that was as pure of a team that I've ever coached. There were no agendas all, all anybody on that team wanted to do was win. Uh, it wasn't about my draft status or my individual, you know, goals or anything like that. It was about how can we win and and how can we be champions. And when we won that championship, man, I I, I got to say that was probably the most excited, and the most proud I've ever been. I I loved I loved coaching that team.
4: And and be honest, I I've seen you know hundreds of replays of that final shot by Gordon Hayward that just. <laughs> rims off of the rim. How many times have you watched that replay and said, "Oh, I'm glad it, I'm glad it went out." Like I, yeah, every I mean, single time I see it, it it's, it's no just, question. It, it still and takes it my breath away. The,
0: the viewpoint that we had, you know, it just it was tracking the whole way, and I felt like the ball was in the air for about ten minutes. You know, your <laughs> whole season's on the line. The national, it was just kind of slow motion, getting closer and closer, and uh, when that thing rimmed out, and we realized we'd won, uh, that was that was that was probably the best I felt as a coach because that was unexpected you know that was a team everyone thought could be good, but no one expected us to win the whole thing that year and and for uh, for that group of guys they had been through so much uh they they literally you know started from 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 the from the bottom and and worked their way up all the way to the finals and uh you know i I loved coaching that group and and a special group of guys and and really uh that was as funny a year as I've had as a coach.
4: So we're going to get a little bit into, uh, you know, your time with Coach K at Duke. And and first I want to start out with, I mean, you're, you're very unique position in that you're a young coach that has had, you know, over a decade's worth of experience being under Coach K and, and learning from him. Are there any, you know, one or two insightful or special things that you feel like you've learned from Coach K that you kind of take with you and, and implement at Northwestern?
0: Yeah, I think the first thing I learned is uh,
4: when you grow up and you're playing, you you
0: if you think about coaching, you know, you think of more like strategy type thing. You think of building skills. You think of in-game strategy, game plans, substituting, and, and all those things are really important. But being around Coach K every day, the thing that I came to learn was that, that so much about coaching was, was building deep relationships with your players and building the trust and the honesty and developing truth with each other. And that at the end of the day, if you get a group of guys that are going to fight for one another or are going to fight for the coach, um, you got a chance to win uh, no matter what plays you run or no matter what defenses you do. To me, that's the most important component, and, and that's what Coach K does better than anybody I've ever been around uh, is his ability to get the most out of his guys and out of, out of each and every team. Um, you know, The thing also is the ability to adapt and be flexible. You know, I think a lot of times coaches, you know, you have your own beliefs about the way you think the game should be played and and things you want to do offensively, defensively, and I think what what Coach K is a master at is is understanding at times that might not be what's best for your team, and if that isn't what's best, then then you can't be afraid to change on the fly, and I think you see with a lot of coaches they become stubborn to their system or <clears throat> this is the way we're going to do things. And I think what Coach has done throughout the years is always tried to tailor what's done with each team based upon the personnel and the guys that he has. And that's that's one thing that I try to do. I mean, To me, that's the essence of what coaching is, is getting the most out of each and every team and figuring out that formula. And, and he does that at a very high level. And and, you know, I think the thing he, he, I've had, I've been blessed with amazing mentors. Um, obviously growing up with my dad, who is a great basketball person, very smart, was a player, coach, broadcaster, um, has been a great mentor for me. And then 20 years with Coach K as a player and a coach, um, learning from him every day is you got to be careful when you, when you go your own way is to not try to just emulate them so much that you lose sight of who you are. And I think the thing that, that coaches is, has tried to tell me throughout the whole thing is hey when you go and take on this opportunity be yourself don't try to be me don't try to be your dad you know take the things that you've learned and you're ready and be you and put your own personality and your own spin on things and and be true to yourself and and those are just a few things that I try to carry with me uh each day as as I run our program here at Northwestern
4: Last question for me and then I'll pass you back to Jason for a couple a couple more um while you're at Duke you were able to work with the u.s olympic team um uh, i guess in 2012 and i you know i have to say that's probably one of the one of my highlights if i were ever to be a coach or a player would be to work with the u.s national team uh what was that experience like for you
0: well it was amazing you know coach k uh you know i was actually with him for eight years um you know with with every step of the way with usa basketball it started in 06 um uh, you know when we first took over and uh, that first year we were just kind of helping on the US side with the praxis and wojo and I were the kind of the go gopher guys that would you know help the guys with their drills shooting drills kind of be an extra set of young legs out there to to help wherever was needed um, and then it you know extended '07, 7 we had a little bit more we, we were doing more of the scouting when we had to qualify for the Olympics and the FIBA Americas and then 2008 having the opportunity to go with the team to Beijing um you know when we had lost uh the 2004 olympics and and the, the 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 sense of resolve that was in that group you know to to get that gold medal back to the us where it belongs uh was amazing to be a part of um you know just and i think as a coach it, it really helped with my confidence um you know anytime you get uh the the appreciation and, and the respect from the guys at the highest level. Uh I remember I'll never forget it, our first day of practice and, you know, I would help out with the guards and, and Wojo did a lot of stuff with the big guys and I remember our first practice with USA basketball before oh eight and, and Coach K wanted me for about a half hour to forty minutes to on one end, you know, lead a whole workout of individual drills with the perimeter guys and, you know, I felt ready for it and then we got to the gym and it was time to break up, and, and he started rattling off the names that were were to come down to my end for me to work with. And he starts saying Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul, Darren Williams. And he's rattling off the, all these names, and, and I'm saying to myself, holy, you know what, I can't believe you know, I'm responsible uh, for the next 40 minutes. I'm the guy in charge to tell these guys what to do. And, you know, I, I think it you know, situations like that they they help you become a better coach and you know, if to to see the respect that those guys gave me. Um, you know, they honored my you know, the what I was trying to tell them to do. They they would they treated me like a coach and I think that whole experience really helped me realize you know that I was ready when the situation came that to to take the next step and to be a head coach and you know I I you know all the things that Coach K allowed me to do throughout my tenure there but really that Olympic experience I think it meant so much to me individually and and also just from a personal perspective you know a lot of people know but my dad had his gold medal you know taken away from him in the seventy two Olympics. It was a controversial game against Russia, and my dad made two free throws with three seconds to go to give the U.S. the lead, and they gave Russia three chances, the Soviet Union at the time, three chances to score. They finally scored. Um, you know, is commonly referred to, you know, one of the biggest cheat jobs of all time, and you know, he he didn't have that gold medal around his neck that he deserved that he won. And so, for me to win two Olympic gold medals, and you know, my first Olympic gold medal in Beijing that I won, I gave it to my dad because you know, that's to me that's where it belongs. So, from a personal uh, standpoint, you know, that meant a lot to our family for me to be a part of a staff that that won a gold medal and and was able to to get that in our house where it's where it's belonged since 1972.
4: Right. It, it, feel, nice. it kind of feels like redemption. Yeah,
0: for sure, for sure, yeah. and uh, it was it was amazing, you know. And and now to have their relationships with some of those pro guys and you know for them to respect, you know, not only what we've done but, you know, personally to, to to have the relationships with those guys and then to bring back to to the teams at Duke and now my teams at Northwest there's so many stories um you know that, that you get from the level of commitment that those pro guys bring. And you know, a lot of times you, you you talk to your team about what it takes to be really good, but when you can bring back specific examples of what Kobe does or what LeBron does or Durant, you know, they their ears perk up a little more because that's what they aspire to be.
3: Boy, Coach, uh, that's an incredible uh, incredible story, you know, starting with the, the, the notion of telling LeBron and, and Kevin Durant, <laughs> you know, how how to, how to play basketball and, and then ending up with a story about your father. Um, great stuff. Uh, we're about to wrap things up. And, again, thanks so much for your time. But uh, it's time for you to spill the beans about Coach K. We no. asked this question of everyone who comes on the DBR podcast, we want to know your craziest, your most memorable, wackiest Coach K story. And I have to tell you, the bar has been set really high because a few weeks ago, we interviewed Shane Battier and he told yeah. us about the time that Coach K came into the locker room waving a samurai sword. So... Yeah. Oh, that was, that, me, was about, that was
0: The knowing. thing about Shane, uh, and, Shane and, and a lot, and, yeah, yeah, was, yeah, the thing with Shane and a, a lot of those guys is, you know, we have similar, we have similar stories, but... You know, obviously, going through it, I mean, as a player, uh, you know, he was so great with his motivational uh, tactics. You know, he would find a way with each and every game, you know, to, you know, we have so many instances. You know, sometimes it was tough love. Sometimes it was to bring some humor to the equation. Uh, I remember the Samurai Sword game very well. That was uh we added some brave you know before that we had some uh, some brave heart footage of william wallace uh, storming down the the hill uh in attack mode to get our guys in the mindset of of being ready to charge and being ready to attack but um you know really the most memorable i don't know if it's wacky but you know the most memorable thing you know for me he always had such a way of figuring out you know how to how to get the best out of us and 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 the the one that really stands out to me was my senior year um you know we were struggling uh junior year was tough in 95 you know, we the bottom kind of fell out, and then my senior year, we got off to an 0-4 start in uh, in 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 the conference. You know, I was able to get a a really good bounce, and we won at NC State for our first win on the road in Reynolds Coliseum. And but we were 4-7 at the time, uh, and I'll never forget it. It was it was the day before Valentine's Day. It was. February thirteenth and, and on Valentine's Day we were gonna play a really good Virginia team in Cameron and we were four and seven in the league and I believe at the time maybe thirteen and eleven. So at that point, you know, thinking about the NCA tournament was, was, was not really part of the equation and I remember before the day before the game we were getting ready to practice and Coach K hadn't come out yet and uh all of a sudden one of the managers came out and and he sent me back to the locker room he said coach k wants to talk to you so i i went back there i was the only scholarship senior on that team and we we went i went back to his office he was sitting there and he he, initially it looked like we were going to watch some tape and he was going to show me some clips but you know all of a sudden he turned off the tv and he said listen um you know it's mid-february you're a senior. And he goes, I feel awful about the position our team's in right now. You know, we're, we're not where any of us wanted to be. Uh, you're the senior leader. And he said, you got one month left in your season and one month left in your career. And he goes, for the rest of, of, of this season, he goes, I, I, I know that the team will follow you and will follow your heart wherever you lead them. And he goes, I want you to play this last month as if you feel you can do no wrong as if you can't fail nothing you you I want you to feel on top of the world like you can do anything and he said you can you can shoot whenever you want to shoot which for me that was uh that was a great those were like music <laughs> to my ears he said shoot whenever you want to shoot he said, I'm, I'm only going to take you out of the game if you ask for a sub. He goes, say whatever you want to say in the huddles. Call whatever plays. He goes, this team's only going to go as far as you can lead them. You know, you're the guy, and I want you to go out, you know, holding nothing back. This is the end of your career here at Duke. And it was amazing the power of confidence that that gave me. I, I just I, I felt, you know, the how he empowered me with that meeting. And I went out the last month of my season, and I played at a level that I'd never played my whole college career. I I think I had 20-something against Virginia, and we beat them. And uh, we went on this string of games. We went down to Florida State, and I had 27 points. Uh, We beat NC State at home. Uh, I had 27 at Maryland, 28 against UCLA. I mean, I think I averaged about 25 a game that last month. And... We won every game. We got to the last game against uh, North Carolina at home my senior night, and I had 18 points at halftime, and we were winning. And the first play of the second half, I broke my foot. And, uh, you know, that kind of – you know, the we ended up losing that game. I didn't play in the AC tournament and then tried to play in the NCAs on a broken foot. And, but, you know, the point is just that, to me, you know, those are the little things, and even though it's not a wacky story – you know that's that's like a memory that I share with coach K and and what that led to my play it kind of gives you a little microcosm of what he's all about and and how he gets the most out of his guys and you know that's a meeting that that I'll never forget
3: oh that is just incredible and I have to tell you the as you talk about the memories come washing back over all of us i'm sure all of us who've been fans for a long time different you know different things that you're talking about i, I can vividly see them but the, the shot against nc state that sort of rattled around and <laughs> and went in to just break that losing streak i remember that so vividly <laughs> yeah hey, so, yeah no That's. So. i always say that was a shooter's touch right there
0: you know so oh, that okay. uh, hit the rim about four times and went in but you know you you have those memories i mean that's what's so great about you know, playing at a place like Duke and, and and playing at a high level, you get those special memories that, that last and, and being a part of it. And, you know, I know we're rapid, but, you know, my time at Duke was something, you know, those, tw- those 19 years or 18 years or whatever it is, are, are, you know, Duke became my home and my family and all the fans and all the support we got. I mean, the, those are things, even though you move on and, and, and you try new things and, being here at Northwestern I mean those that was a part of my life that I'll never forget and like I said I'll always I'll always have a huge place in my heart for Duke and the Duke fans and um just have an incredible amount of memories throughout all the years
3: coach thanks so much one last really quick question if we could make you the czar of college basketball absolute authority Uh you don't have to answer to anyone is there anything you would change about the game
0: well I I like the fact that the shot clock's going down. I always thought that was too long. I, I, I like a faster paced game. You know, there there's little rules. I mean sir, what's that? You want more shooting? Yeah, no. Yeah, more more possessions, more points. That's that's the uh, that's my style. I but but, you know, I think, you know, for me, you know, little things can, you know, I, I think every step we can make to maybe make the games a little bit, a little bit, uh, you know, not as long, especially at the end, you know, I know they're eliminating the timeout, um, you know, which will be good. You know, I'd like to see, uh, I love the, the part, you know, in the last two minutes of a game, if you do have a timeout like the NBA, I'd like to be able to see where you could advance the ball because it just adds so much excitement to a game, you know, where, where now you'd get a lot more strategy. And you'd have a chance to 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 be able to to extend the game there, and and uh, you know. But I I think it's a player's game, so everything we can do to to make it you know less physical, more skill, you know, more more a little bit more up and down and and to me that's how basketball should be played so you know i'm all for you know people being tough and but i i just think basketball is a skill game with uh athleticism and up and down and and scoring and you know anything we can do to continue to promote that uh, you know i think will help the college game
3: well coach collins boy thank you so much for joining us for giving us the time today um, all us Duke fans, you know, we're, we're, we're huge Northwestern, Marquette, Harvard, and Stanford. Did I cover yeah. that, Is that it? Yeah. We're, we're huge yeah. fans of all you guys that are, that are part of the family. But, um, boy, I'm especially rooting for you because I know you took on such a huge challenge at Northwestern, the only Power Five conference um, team that's never been to the NCAA tournament. I hope this is the year we're going to be watching and, and rooting for you guys, uh, you know, every time we can. And we just appreciate you coming on and giving us a little bit of insight into uh, – uh, into all that you've accomplished and, and uh, the, the tricks of the trade of, of being a successful Division I um, basketball coach and, of course, sharing the memories from uh, the many, many years at Duke. Thanks a lot for being with us. And, and good thanks, luck guys. To it was, pressure, thank you. I really weekends. appreciate
4: it. Thank you. <laughs> Take it easy, Coach.
3: All right. Thanks for having me, guys. So thanks again to Coach Chris Collins. I can't believe that we managed to get Chris Collins for a Northwestern preview. Um, really incredible and really wonderful. Uh, Donald, let me put it to you because you were one of the folks who, uh, along with me, got to chat with Chris. What were your takeaways? What were the what were the things you thought were really remarkable in that interview?
4: Well, I really liked when he uh, talked about his experience with the Olympic team and you know the story. Uh, I, I know it had us laughing. The story about uh, uh, him calling out what uh, you know the the point guards who he was going to work with, and Coach is just rallying off LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, and, and Kevin Durant, all these stars, and uh, him basically getting a, a, a mild epiphany saying, holy crap, what am I getting myself into, um, and kind of a welcome to the Olympics kind of moment, which I thought was pretty neat. Um, one story that I thought was really cool um, is the fact that he that he got a medal and gave it to his dad, who, as we all know, was part of that 1972 team that had uh, their gold medals uh, unjustly taken away from them. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool because um, that's something that I learned on the interview is that they actually got gold medals, which I think is great. Um, you know, we, we, see this, uh, uh, we see the pictures from 2008, 2012 with all of the players giving Coach K their medals uh, and standing around them so they could take a picture because it was told that the coaches didn't earn medals. Um, in the Olympics, but it seems like they do get medals, um, whether it's U.S. soccer or U.S. soccer, U.S. basketball, uh, or 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 somehow getting access to them. I think that's pretty cool that they get those, and I think it was really cool that he was able to give one to his dad.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, that was a wonderful story. Um, I'll tell you the thing that I really enjoyed, um, and it's and it's the highlight I think of every interview we do with a former Duke player is when they talk about. Um, you know, that special moment that whatever special amazing thing it was that, that that Coach K did at some point in their career. And when Chris Collins talked about that meeting he had in the, uh, you know, back in Coach K's office um, where Coach K said, it's your senior year. It's your time to shine. You do whatever you want. Um, I went back and I looked at um, the uh, the game logs from Chris Collins's senior season. Um, and on the uh, on on February 7th. We played Georgia Tech, and he scored nine points. On February 11th, we played Wake Forest, and he scored eight points. Um, and then he had the fateful meeting on February 13th with Coach K. And after that, and Chris mentioned this in, in, the, uh, in the podcast, he just went off. He scored 23. 23- 12 then 27, 27, 27, 18 points against North Carolina in a game where he only played half the game because he got hurt. Um, And then he was hurt and he couldn't play in the, uh, uh, you know, very effectively, at least against Eastern Michigan in, in the uh, NCAAs. But how amazing must it have been for Coach K to call you into his office and say, essentially, it's your team it will become what you make of it. And Collins really led us to a number of key victories late in the season, got that team to the NCAA tournament. And I was talking to some Duke friends today, and they all agreed with me. They all pointed out that that 1996 team was very much a turning point um, and a return for Duke to the the greatness of what had been before and and what what had declined for a little while when Coach K got hurt. Uh, And I think it was remarkable to hear how – um, Coach K had gotten Chris Collins to be the catalyst that that led the program, you know, back on the path that we've now been on for quite a while. That has been truly, truly remarkable and 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 so much fun for all of us to enjoy. Sam, you couldn't be with with us for the interview, but I know you've listened to it. What were what were your thoughts? What were your reflections?
2: Yeah, I liked both of the things that you guys talked about. I on the USA Basketball side, I really appreciated the thing that Donald highlighted where. Coach Collins had to be coaching those legendary players and was, you know, getting respect from them um, as a as a coach and as a as a basketball peer. I thought that was really interesting. And then, but, on, by the way by the, um, way, by the way,
3: by the way, I I, I love that moment. Um, Donald had already brought it up. But can you, you know, can you imagine just for a second what it would be like? I, I mean, I can't even conceive of it to, like, be standing there under a basket and and suddenly LeBron and Kevin Durant and Dwayne Wade, and Darren Williams, and all these guys are coming over to you and being like, yeah, okay, coach, what do I do next? I, I can't even begin. It's so sure surreal. He,
2: like I'm sure he's comfortable being on a basketball court with those guys because, I mean, he's been around basketball his whole life. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's completely who he is. But it's enough to have those guys who he knows are – are the best guys in the whole world to be specifically asking him for like advice or like or listening to what he's saying about like okay now we're gonna do this thing like don't like kobe bryant don't go off and like have your own shooting practice like i know you want to like come run these drills with me um that crazy that part of it i thought absolutely was, crazy was, was totally neat um the and then we talked about the story where uh, coach k had the meeting with him and guys correct me if i'm wrong february 13th is coach k's birthday correct you are right. It sure is. So, I thought, it's really interesting because when he started telling the story, he specifically referenced the date. Because uh, I know we hear every year, it's February 13th. It's the day before Valentine's Day, and it's always Coach K's birthday. So, it's, it's like one of those things that's kind of embedded. Um, when I started to tell the story, I thought, oh, it's a February 13th story. I wonder what the Coach K birthday is going to be here. And, and then it never came up. Um, and maybe that shows just how much Coach K is for the team. That, you know, he had this momentous meeting with his senior captain um that it sounds like as, as jason was just telling us propelled them to a number of big victories at the end of the season and it had nothing to do with the fact that it was also coach k's birthday i thought that was great the thing that i wanted to highlight was um one of the things that early in the interview specifically talking about um about his program and then we had uh, we had been talking about duke football is that he compares the job that he's doing right now to the job that david cutcliffe has done at duke where he's taking a program at a high profile school that is not that is not an achieving program it's a very underachieving program it's arguably one of the worst in its in its class and he's trying to build it up into something and he was he was at duke for coach the beginning of coach cutcliffe's tenure all the way until when coach cut made a bowl for the first time and so he kind of saw that progression he hasn't been there i guess since since we've been climbing that mountain a lot higher, but he's he saw a lot of that program building, and I think it's really neat that he compares what he's doing to that because I think that's the perfect model for it. And I'm I'm kind of kicking it myself and 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 us collectively that we didn't think of that comparison when we were coming up with things to ask him because I think that it's when you think about it, it's like it's so obvious that that's that's the model for him. You know, he's he's a coach at a major at a big school that that is very on academics and that wants to be successful in this thing i mean duke duke committed to coach cutcliffe in a way that said you know we're we're trying to get better at football in a way that we weren't before you i think north the same thing with coach collins and it appears to be paying off he's getting better recruits it seems like the team's got it's more of a program and less of a team uh you know it's, it's an encompassing thing and i i'm really glad that that's the model that he's using because i mean you know obviously it's it's gone incredibly well for coach cut I'm really excited to see what it, what happens for Coach Collins. And I also liked that he talked about how, he, he kind of mentioned it offhand, that he expects to be at Northwestern for many years and that he wants to build it into a successful program. Coach Collins is obviously one of those guys who, in a few years, if Coach K decides to retire, he's probably on the short list of viable in-house sort of candidates, you know, Duke family candidates. And he's not even thinking about it. He's totally focused on his team. He's totally focused on his program. And that's going to be the way that he's going to be successful. If he's, if he's got one eye back in Durham, it's not going to work for him. Um, and and he's, he's got other guys who have left Duke who have also been successful, and I think he's going to be successful. I think that it's just a matter of time before they finally break that horrible streak of not making the tournament, because he seems like he's so locked in, he's committed, he's got so much great experience coaching USA and coaching Duke and being just a, a basketball man all the way through. It seems almost impossible that he won't succeed there, um, you know, provide given the level of support I think that he expects, and and he's very confident. He seems like he relates to the to the kids really well he's obviously from Chicago or from not not just Chicago but from that Evanston area so I'm I'm very excited he does and I love the interview I'm so I think he did as well as we could have expected you know a a colleague come on and talk to us he was really candid and I'm very glad and thankful that he was able to join us
3: well and you know I want to point out by the way we had talked about asking him questions about you know succession at duke and whether or not you know coach k, if coach k moved on if he might be interested asking him questions people i had a number of friends when they heard i was doing this interview who said ask him about the carolina scandal ask him you know how angry he is about that and the such we consciously made the decision not to ask him about those things because there's no answer he can give that that is a, a good answer we wanted to put him in a position where Coach Collins was able to give us good, honest answers. Frankly, he's never going to answer the Duke succession question because, you know, it's not it's not appropriate. Coach K hasn't resigned yet; hasn't and stepped he, aside,
2: and he's, and he's much and he's way too close to it. Because he's obviously in the conversation eventually, so he's yeah. never going to—he's he's too close to the thing. It's one thing if a guy who's, like, not affiliated with Duke anymore would answer that question, but Coach Collins, obvi- like, arguably still is because he's, like, he was working with all the guys who are currently on the staff. He coached some of these players. Like, he's way too close to the—to even bother.
3: Right. So we didn't we didn't want to waste his time with that kind of thing. And we didn't ask him about the Carolina scandal because it's unseemly for a coach of another institution to be commenting on potential infractions or actual infractions. They weren't potential. They're real. Um, at another institution, so that's why if folks are out there saying, "Why didn't you guys ask him about this stuff?" Believe me, we thought about a ton of other things we wanted to ask him about, um, and, and there are various reasons why why we couldn't. So, um, and don't and gr- this is
2: and this is one of those moments where we say that you know we're we're doing these interviews the way that we kind of want to. I think that we asked, I think that we we thought of of a few good questions for him this time. If you think that there's something that we missed or something we could have done better, please let us know in the in the comment threads on the on the forum because you know. We're, this obviously not obviously but we're hoping this won't be the last time we get to interview another guy like Chris Collins so if next time there's other things that you think we missed let us know so that we can we can try to get better because you know we're here for whoever's listening to us
3: yes all, all five of you <laughs> yeah <laughs> out there hey, we've out got, there and... we've
2: got like a dozen we got like a dozen iTunes reviews uh, and they're all great so um whoever you guys are
3: Keep them coming
2: yeah, yes, that.
3: definitely keep them coming. All right, so let, let's move on from the wonderful, excellent interview with uh, Coach Chris Collins. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Coach Collins, for joining us. I want to move on um, to Duke football. Uh, and by the way, we did get Coach Collins to give us one controversial answer. We asked him who he would pick in the Duke uh, Northwestern game, and he told us he was rooting for everybody to win. <laughs> he said he couldn't <laughs> decide who was going to win. But um, and, I do want to like, only that. think he earned that answer, though.
2: So. Answer. That was like the only coach speak answer we got out of him, so I'm fine with that.
3: But you knew that would He's be his answer. answer. There's no way Yeah, exactly, cannot, exactly. What's he going to say? He cannot <laughs> answer it any other way. Let, let's let's preview the Northwestern game a little bit. But actually, before we even get to that, um, we should talk about the NC Central game. Duke won 55 to nothing over the weekend. Um, our preview of NC Central was sort of a joking um, kind of preview. We didn't have a lot to say because we said that they didn't really have the same field with Duke. Um, uh, no offense to NC Central, they, they fought hard. They they played as well as they could. They did not belong in the same field with Duke. That's a that's a testament, by the way, to the Duke program and and to the recruiting and to the athletes and to the coaching that, that David Cutcliffe has brought in. But, guys, I want to ask you all, um, give me a, just a couple quick – we don't need to go into lots of detail – a couple quick takeaways from that game. Donald, um, you go first.
4: Well, so, first of all, last week when we previewed the NC Central game uh, – I said that uh, you know they had scored 72 points against St. Augustine. They would not score 72 points against us. I was right. Uh, I believe, Sam, it, it was you that said that uh, the benchmark that we wanted to shoot for uh, was the blowout, the shutout that we had uh, a couple years ago when we had our 10-win season. What do we do? We shut them out. So the team did their job. Um, I'm looking at a couple of stats here. Uh, total yards, 655 yards, 367 in the air, um, 315 of those by Thomas Sirk. He, um, he performed pretty, uh, pretty well in my opinion. Um, also had nine carries for 86 yards and three throwing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. Uh, on defense, um, we only had, uh, we pitched a shutout. We only gave up one big play and, but that was about it. I mean, they did their job. They, they shut them down. Uh, the run defense was terrific. Uh, only 54 rushing yards, uh, for NC central. Uh, Sean Wilson had a great game. Uh, he had three catches for 102 yards, including that 89-yard just weaving through everybody down the sideline uh, for a touchdown. Um, but the one stat that I'll leave you with, uh, and I'll toss it over to, to, uh, to Sam, the longest plays from scrimmage for our, uh, for our wide receivers was unbelievable. We had Wilson at 89 yards, TJ Roming at 59 yards, John L. Barnes 44 yards, Max McCaffrey, 43 yards, Ryan Smith, 32 yards, and Shaquille Powell, 24 yards. So we were doing big plays in bunches, and that's the kind of stat that you want to see on your box score when you're looking at the, at the stats after the game. I thought that was what we wanted to do, and we, we had a great game plan and executed it uh, to perfection, and we worked out a lot of the kinks that we were talking about in this podcast last week. So, uh, Sam, what did you think?
2: I agree with most of what you said. I think that the ongoing discussion this season, the thing that's going to be the most interesting about Duke will be the progression of Thomas Cirque. And in the first quarter against NC Central, he looked pretty bad. Um, he was throwing balls behind guys and in front of guys and all over the place. Uh, and I was really worried that that, that continue. And I thought, you know, maybe maybe the game against Tulane was was where he peaks. The second and third quarters against NC Central, he was excellent. He was putting balls in, in great spots for receivers to to move with them. Cause you know, that's kind of the difference between like a, a decent, like a fine quarterback, like an average quarterback and a really good quarterback is that they're leading guys with the ball. They're not throwing uh, balls. that are going to get picked off. I thought Cirque got a lot better as the game went on. He giving guys balls in places where they can catch and then turn and run and not where they had to like stop and think. Um, so things really got him, got better for him. I love the, the his rushing ability and I like, how much we're using it. It doesn't feel like we're over his rushing ability. It feels like we're using it in a way that really flows with the rest of the offense. And to the point about him getting better throughout the game, I thought that early in the game, it seemed like he was targeting Barnes a lot. And I know that Barnes is probably our most athletic receiver, but he's got, you know, he's got his hands. He seems to have... He seems to have problems kind of putting it all together all the time. I thought that the offense looked a lot better when Circ was moving the ball around. He was giving it to Sean Wilson. He was giving it to TJ Romney He was giving it to Max McCaffrey. I thought that we were most successful when he was targeting different guys. And like you said, all those guys ended up having at least one big play. And that's, that's where our offense is going to be best is when we're moving the ball around a lot. You know, as much as we talk about how good Jamison Crowder was for us last year, Jamison Crowder came with other guys who were making plays. I mean, Max McCaffrey was making plays last year you know, alongside Jamison Crowder. And that was what got him to be really good is that the defense wouldn't just focus on him. If defenses only think that we're throwing to Barnes and we are only throwing to Barnes, then we're not going to be successful. I thought that the offense got a lot better as the game went on. I was really glad that we got to see the second team offense for the entire fourth quarter. It meant that we were totally in charge and, you know, against NC Central's second team, they also looked great in control. Zach Bowden uh, was really good rushing the ball and, um, I, overall, I was really happy with the with the team this week. I thought that that, that kind of weird first quarter, they settled down. They got they made all the plays they wanted to make, and they honestly made it look easy against a an NC Central team that does seem like it's pretty fast. They're pretty athletic. They were pretty motivated. I'm sure to win this game. I mean, you know, you got to figure that most of these kids are from North Carolina. They know they know that like Duke is one of these big programs, I suppose, um, and they would love to beat him And Duke just did not did not let up the whole game. They they kept their foot on the pedal, and and you mentioned that that uh, shutout from a couple years ago. That game was 45 nothing, and this game was 55 nothing. I was saying in the DDR chat that I was hoping we were going to get to 50, and we did it. So I was pretty happy about the game against Central. And um, before I send it back to Jason, I wanted to say this is our first time seeing New Wallace, or excuse me, Brooks Field at Wallace Wade Stadium on TV, and it looked gorgeous. I love it without the track. I love the blue. St- Love the new scoreboard. It looks so good. I can't wait until they finish the renovations. It's just, it it's such a, it looks like such a nice football stadium now. It's not going to be the biggest football stadium, but it looks really nice. It looks exactly like the kind of place that that Duke should be playing football in.
4: It looks fantastic. I yeah. I thought it was beautiful. Uh, and you can even tell with, with what they're doing right now, it's going to look flawless when it's finished. It was awesome. Absolutely.
3: Well, and one of the nice things about the game being a blowout was the announcers had lots of time to talk about the stadium and and uh, and the changes that are both coming and still to come, which uh, which which are really it's wonderful to see Duke investing in our football program in this kind of way and and preparing for um, uh, you know a great future with David Cutcliffe. I, I've got two little little things I just want to mention in addition to what you guys said. Um, the thing I was looking for from Thomas Sirk, the thing that I think he struggled with the most. Um, in the two-lane game, uh, was uh, it, his deep passing? We'd heard the really great deep, uh, deep throwing guy. Donald, you identified it with the length of those plays. Now, granted, some of those plays—the 89-yarder, of course—was a was a short throw that, that got uh, the run-after-catch number on that was pretty big. <laughs> but uh, a same number on, of those. I think it was long... the same
2: on T.J. Roming's long. T.J. Roming's long play was was Sirk setting him up short, and then Roming making nice play and and Dever, I think block
3: for him right correct but yeah. but uh, I, when Cirque did throw long when Cirque threw more than 20 yards downfield he was very accurate he was much more accurate than he was against Tulane and that's one of the big things I was looking for from him um, and, and then the other thing I just want to mention was uh, you know it's going to be a different game when we play Northwestern because this was the second opponent in a row in NC Central that I thought shot themselves in the foot and didn't give themselves a chance to win. Now, I'm not saying NC Central was going to win anyway, but they had a lot of penalties uh, that that seemed to extend drives for us or put them in a hole. Um, I know penalties sometimes are a function of you're trying to keep up with a team that is better than you are, more skilled, more athletic, more talented, but um, uh, the NC Central Eagles – didn't give themselves a lot of good chances. Um, there were a couple times that it felt like they'd stopped us, and then they had a penalty that kept a drive of ours going. Um, and and uh, you know, two weeks ago, Tulane absolutely shot themselves—not just in one foot, but in both feet—with a number of the plays that they had. I don't think that Northwestern is going to be nearly the same. And and uh, and it's going to be good to see Duke against a quality opponent. This obviously takes us to our Northwestern preview, um, folks. If you don't know, Northwestern is for real. Um, uh, this program is rated number twenty-three in the polls. They started out their season with a sixteen-to-six win against Stanford. Stanford considered one of the better teams on the West Coast. Stanford, a lot of people thought, was going to challenge for the Pac-ten, twelve, whatever the heck that conference is called at this point, the Pac-whatever title. Um, and Northwestern handled them, you know, fairly easily, sixteen-to-six. Um, Northwestern then played. Oh God, I can't even find it. Who they play in their second game? Eastern oh, they played Illinois. Thank you. And they won like 42 to nothing. It was a, yep. uh, you know, 41 absolute destruction. 41, nothing, 41, 42. Yeah. I don't remember who it was. I don't remember what the score was, but they beat them pretty soundly, but it wasn't a, a, a meaningful opponent. Um, so, uh, so now Northwest plays Duke, um, two of the smartest schools in the nation and, and two, uh, football programs that really seem to be uh, on the rise and both, um, aspiring to pretty big things this year. Um, Sam, why don't you start, tell us what, you know, a little bit about the Northwestern Wildcats.
2: Well, I think that Coach Collins started us off well with telling us how well Northwestern the ball. Um, their main rusher, Justin Jackson, has been a beast for them in these, la- in these first two games. And I think that's what we're going to expect out of them. Now, remember, one of the things that we talked about early in the season that everyone talks about about Duke is that one of our weaknesses has been the defensive line. It looked a lot better this week against uh, NC Central, but I... But the test is going to be a lot tougher now against Northwestern, against a really good rushing team. They're they've got a big um, they got a big front line, and I'm I am curious to see how the rushing stats play out for for Northwestern. Um, you know, we had I, we've mentioned before the the Pitt game last year, which which caused us troubles. Georgia Tech is always tough for us. These teams that are good at rushing the ball have really been kind of our kryptonite the last couple of years, even in spite of our general you know uh, quality. Uh, against against ACC competition. So the thing that the thing you really want to watch is can Duke uh get to Jackson is it, is it is that his name? I might be totally blanking on it. Um but that uh we we need to get yeah, Justin Jackson. Yes, we it's need Justin to get to him quickly. Right? Yeah. right, which is the same as the UNC football, the basketball player, right? Uh yeah. I'm Justin Jackson. Yeah, that's why I was like I was like I know I'm saying his name, but I'm <laughs> is that the right guy? Um Yeah, we want to get to him quick. Uh, We we want to we want to focus on him. Um, Their their passing is not nearly as good. Their their quarterback Clayton Thorson has only attempted forty passes in two games, Um, and he's been somewhat efficient. But the the strength of their offense is built on that rushing attack. So we we got to get to them. We got to get to that rushing attack. We got to we got to bottle them up. Um, Look for guys like Jeremy Cash to play a lot closer to the line and in the box um and and likely devon edwards too and 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 look for kyler brown to to make some moves uh, xavier carmichael those are the guys who are going to be the focus this week is containing that northwestern rush um rushing game and then on the other side of the ball um, I just want to see Thomas Sir continue to progress, continue to move the ball around. I don't think that we're going to have any individual stars this year on offense. I think that the strength of our team is going to be how many guys are able to produce a little bit every game. Uh, you know, Maybe Sean Wilson breaks out and becomes that, becomes that star on offense. But other than that, I think that it, it's going to be about us moving the ball around and distributing to different guys who can make a lot of different types of plays and, and keep the Wildcats on their heels.
3: Donald, what about you? What, what's your takeaway about uh, what we need to look for against Northwestern?
4: So, uh, Sam brought up a lot of good points, you know, namely Justin Jackson being uh, their workhorse, their, the guy that they rely on for the running attack. Um, I don't want to say the word game manager, but that's kind of how Clayton Thorson has played the first couple games from what I've seen. Um, their passing game isn't, isn't their best part, suit. That's not their strong suit. They want to run the ball. They want to be physical on both sides of the ball. So I think the idea is you want to protect against the run and limit, uh, limit Justin Jackson's uh, yardage so that you are looking at some third and longs where you can get your secondary, who I believe to be better than uh, their passing attack, um, to get off, the, get off the field with some good pass defense on third and longs instead of third and shorts. Um, I think that is, their, uh, that is what we want to do. Um, but one thing that I did want to point out before, uh, before we take it back Um, I'm going to mess this guy's name up, Uh, is a defensive lineman for Northwestern, uh, Afidi uh, Onigbo. Uh, He stated yesterday they were asking uh, him about their game plan for beating Duke, and uh, he said we expect to pitch a shutout uh, next weekend. So Sean Wilson on Twitter, uh, in a couple of tweets, he wrote, usually don't get into all the rah-rah and the hype, but buddy, tried us. That's a gamble. Mean what you say and say what you mean. So what does that mean? Sean Wilson's ready. And I think it's going to be a team that, uh, you know, we don't really like to play the bulletin board game, but uh, whoever, uh, Odenigbo, whatever he said, struck a nerve. And uh, I think this team is going to be very prepared on Saturday uh, to meet the challenge. And so I think that is uh, something that, to watch, especially with the running game with Sean Wilson uh, and um, Shaq Powell.
3: So the only thing I would say about Northwestern and I admittedly I'm not an expert on college football. Um, I'm not really an expert on any of these sports, but I pretend to be one about college basketball. But um, the thing I've noticed about Northwestern uh, I was looking down their roster, looking at their depth chart. This is an extremely experienced team. Um, uh, there's sometimes, you know, you'll you'll play a club and there'll be lots of maybe red shirt freshmen or red shirt sophomore or, or true sophomores playing. Northwestern Almost all of their starters are juniors and seniors, um, and and that says to me, first of all, these are going to be guys who've been in the weight room for several years now and who are, you know, really uh, big fellows, um, and, and we're going to be playing men in this case, uh, and it's going to be a challenge. Um, especially, I think, for our defensive line, because as we have pointed out again and again, Northwestern loves to run the ball. I mean, one of the reasons they don't... Uh, really, the, the only freshman that they start is Clayton Thorson, the, the quarterback. He's a redshirt freshman. Aside from that, it's all um, sophomore, a couple sophomores and then all juniors and seniors. But uh, the reason they run it so much is because they have a big, strong line and they don't want to put too much on Clayton Thorson. If Duke is able you know, maybe to, to get our safeties and our linebackers up a little bit more into the box and force Northwestern into, you know, second and seven or eight, third and four or five, um, I think Duke's going to do very, very well in this game, uh, but but that's going to be a challenge because this Northwestern team is a very, very good running team. I'm looking forward to Duke stepping up in the quality of opponent. It's time that we did that. Um, we're we're you know this we're about to get into some tough ACC games as well, uh, and this is a perfect test. And and I'll tell you another thing, Northwestern because they're ranked. If we beat them, Duke's going to generate some real attention. This is a game that a lot of people around the nation are going to be watching and paying attention to. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how Duke does um, in a really important contest uh, against Northwestern. Uh, So, uh, guys, I I think we've kind of wrapped it up with the the football stuff now. Um, Sort of time for us to begin to be wrapping up uh, the whole podcast. But before we do, um, Donald, you had a very, very special experience this past week. Tell us all about your trip to Pennsylvania Avenue?
4: Well, uh, I didn't have to travel far. As most of you guys know, I live in D.C. And uh, last Tuesday, uh, we're recording this, so last Tuesday, uh, on the 8th, the Duke basketball team, the 2015 National Championship Duke basketball team, got to hit up the White House and meet the president and have their ceremony to commemorate uh, that championship. So I was one of the lucky few uh, who got an invitation to uh, be in the, in the room when they uh, did the ceremony. I thought it was really cool. Um, so it was really, really hot. And five years ago, I got to go when we won uh, in 2010. Um, I got to go, and that was right after Memorial Day. So it was like 60 degrees here in DC, and it was beautiful. So they made the decision to have it outside. But when it came to the actual date, it was like 97 degrees. And so everybody, you know, you have to be in a suit when you're in the White House in, in business attire, which, which we are very happy to do. Uh, but we were outside in 97-degree heat, and it was very miserable, but it was still a very pleasant experience. This one was indoors. It was much cooler. Um, and it seemed like both Coach and the President were both very relaxed. Uh, you know, the President was making a lot of jokes, cracking a lot of jokes, about uh, the Cameron Crazies not being invited because he didn't want paint on the walls. Um, and really saying some great things about the team that we had. And you can tell that uh, he had a very – grew to have a very, you know, nice respect for our team, uh, especially, you know, the, 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 the ten guys that made up last year's team, and, and Sean Obi as well um, as a redshirt. Um, and Coach K, you could see he couldn't speak enough about the, t- about the team. He was uh, very, very, you know, forthcoming with how much he loved – being a part of the team. And he even asked uh, this year's team to do it again so they could come back to the White House. Um, and he also, uh, I think it was really funny, uh, he mentioned that since the president had, you know, has been in office that Duke has been to his house twice, but he's never been to ours. And that uh, got a lot of laughs. And uh, uh, the president said, well, you know, I've been kind of busy, but maybe in a year or so I'll be free. Uh, so maybe uh, in 2017 or 2018, uh, you know, we can go to the camera and uh, take in a game with uh, former President uh, Barack Obama. But uh, all in all, it was a great day. There was a lot. It was, you know, a lot of pictures, a lot of uh, celebration. And it was just one of those experiences that you can never trade for anything. I, I, I really am fortunate that I was there. Uh, and hopefully, uh, I'll get to do it again for, very soon.
3: Dude, I'm so jealous. I'm so. That is such a cool thing. I I, I was watching it on um, uh, the C-SPAN feed of it or, or whatever it was. I forget. Uh, it was like a live feed that I was watching online. Um, and by the way, you mentioned the pictures. One of the things that I noticed. The number of people holding up cell phones and taking a picture when Obama and the Duke team came in and stood up behind the podium. The number of people holding up to take photos and then turning the phone around so they could take a selfie of themselves with the president and the Duke team in the background. It was like everyone in the entire room was doing the exact same thing. It just cracked me up. I thought it was really funny. Oh, I, a, I, I,
4: I did all of that. I, I did all of I'm, that. I'm like sure. Several
3: pictures. So. <laughs> <laughs> did,
4: you,
2: Donald, did you get to say hi to any of the guys?
4: Uh I got to say hi to a couple of former players you know I saw Reggie Love was there um and uh I, I didn't get a chance to see the so the freshmen um I got there early I got there about 9:45 we were let in about 10:45 so I was one of the first people in line of course we're we're Crazy so we're used to standing in line for much longer than that so an hour wasn't that bad um but the freshmen it, I noticed that the freshmen on the team were in line with us uh to get in and I don't know if that's because um, that's how you're supposed to do it. If you weren't on the team technically, then you're not supposed to be in the room. Um, but they were in the um, they were in line with us. But they did eventually get to go in, and I, I believe to meet the president. I know the president shook hands with them as they left. But uh, there was a lot of former players there. There was a lot of former uh, managers uh, and staff uh, that were there. Um, so I got a chance to you know shake hands with a couple people. I did not get to shake hands with the president, but I, I've done that before. Um, uh, which is also a, a highlight of my life, but uh, uh, and, and a couple of the players that I did get to, you know, see what's up to. But um, yeah, Donald, Donald,
3: Donald. Wait, you were around former Duke players and current Duke players. I'm sure you asked all of them if they want to be a guest on the podcast, right? Right? Oh yeah, tell so me we you did. did. We
4: gotta, we're gonna have a lot. We're gonna have a long list of people, but we don't want to give away everything
2: right now. So people okay. are just gonna have to stay tuned.
3: Good, good. I'm glad you're looking out for us, my friend. I'm glad.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, good work, Donald. I'm, I'm looking forward to this
3: conversation, too. <laughs> uh, so the last thing we're going to have here in the podcast, there was a, a story on CBS Sports Today. Um, uh, Gary Parrish of CBS Sports um, put out an article about the 15 programs that he believes, the college basketball programs he believes are best positioned for success over the next five years um it should come as no surprise to anyone who has a uh, head on their shoulders and has paid attention to college basketball at all over the past several years several decades that the program he says best position for success the number one program is the duke blue devils this is sort of just the latest in the uh, in the off season you get a lot of these stories about oh which program is going to be best in 2020 and all this other kind of stuff and it's always no matter what measure you use, no matter how you're, uh, you know, thinking about figuring out who's going to be on, on top of the heap, the program that is on the top, top of the top is always Duke. Um, uh, but, uh, Sam, I know you had a little comment about the list and, and something that you thought seemed a little weird about it.
2: It's uh, I think you called it an article. I would have called it more like a fluff piece Um Although I, although I generally enjoy Gary Parish's analysis on college basketball, I thought that this was just one of those silly offseason things. The one interesting thing that I noticed on there was that he had UNC ranked in the top ten. I think they were seventh. And eight. if eight. Gary Parish – They were number eight. Number eight. If Sorry. He, they were number eight. If Gary Parish knows where the UNC program is going to be in three years, then he's got – a time machine because nobody knows where the UNC program is going to be in three years. No one knows who's going to be coaching them. No one knows who's going to be playing for them. No one knows if they're going to like be eligible for the postseason to compete at all. So I think it was pretty bold of him to say that they're just going to recover quickly from whatever challenges they, they have to, you know, based on 20 years of cheating. Um, Other than that, I mean, it was mostly just like the teams who were in the top 10 this year. Anyway, it's like, all the teams who are good are just going to stay good. Maryland is good. Kentucky is good. Virginia is good. I noticed that he had NC State on there, which was which was cool. Uh, so it means that he thought that all three triangle schools were going to be good. But, man, how can you possibly, like, know that UNC is going to be good? I mean, it's like you can't know any of these things. But especially with UNC, it is, it's so up in the air. I couldn't tell you where UNC is going to be next year. I have no idea. Um, so it seems kind of presumptuous on his part. But whatever. It's lame.
3: Uh, lame. I mean, it's a silly list, and I wouldn't pay any attention to it. But he has Duke number one, so uh, I'll give him so credit we might for that. Mention,
4: couple, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. his number one prediction couple... was correct. Everything else, whatever.
3: <laughs> I was surprised he has Virginia at number five, and I'm really surprised that he thinks that highly of Virginia. I mean, we're talking about a team that's sort of yet to make much, you know, noise in the NCAA tournament. That really, they've just risen up the past couple seasons. Some people may say that they sort of rose up. Um, uh, as a result of some favorable scheduling and things like that. And Zagan, number six, frankly, I would have Michigan State well ahead of both of those programs. i probably have Ohio State ahead of those programs and and perhaps Maryland as well. But, you know, hey, it's a silly list. Like you said, it's the offseason. And Kirsch is trying to fill time, and we're trying to fill time as well. Um, Gentlemen, do you have anything else before we say goodbye?
4: Yeah, I have one more thing. Um, I I saw this note today uh, after we talked with uh, Coach Collins um as you guys know last week we talked about how james connor had uh tore his uh acl um and was out for the season um one note that popped up was uh james connor on social media posted a picture of a letter that he got from coach cutcliffe um wishing him well and and basically uh on behalf of the duke program and the duke family offering uh their uh their respect to him and wishing him a speedy recovery. Um, and he, how much he appreciated uh, that gesture from Coach Cutcliffe. So just another uh, another day where, where Coach Cutcliffe gives something um, to let us know that he is a genuine person with a genuine heart and uh, that we should be thankful that he is wearing Duke Blue.
3: God, I could not be prouder to have him as part of our program. Mm. He is, yes, uh, I- He is a
2: special, special guy. I was going to I was going to bring that up as well so I'm glad that Donald's got it to me because I had one other note uh, I mentioned at the top that I went to a Duke Forward meeting tonight for those who aren't alums or who aren't engaged with the university. Duke Forward is like the fundraising campaign they're in the middle of right now. It's like a five-year campaign and they're bringing the road show to Denver in a few months. So I'm like on the committee that's like helping to put the thing together and to get people excited about it and stuff. Um, It seems like it's gonna be really cool. My friends who have gone in other cities, I don't know if you guys have been, um, it sounds like they put on a really good uh, a really good event, so I'm excited about that. And I got to talk to some of the um, administrators who were there and, and talking about the thing. And, and we were talking about Coach Cutcliffe, and they all just have such incredible things to say about him, about about the job doing, and 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 how much more excited they are about football than they've been in years. And especially how the um, the Duke Forward campaign has an athletics component to it that the, you know, the Wallace Wade stadium improvements have been part of that, the big Cameron update that they're doing, renovating the traffic circle there uh, right in the middle of the athletics campus. It's all part of this big campaign and they're there. Seems like they're doing a very good job with it. And the the way that one, I don't remember who it was I was talking to, but he said that the, um, that Wallace Wade stadium, he would like to think is the nicest boutique uh, football stadium in the country, which I think is maybe underselling it a little bit, but but I think paints it in the right light. You know, Wildsway Stadium in its best form, in, in the form that it that it's going to be, I think by the end of next year is going to look is going to look really beautiful. It's not going to be an overpowering presence on campus, but it's going to be a great place to watch a football game. Um, it seems like like I mentioned earlier that it looked great on TV. I'm so excited that that the renovations have gone well, and I'm excited for the players and the program and everything. So anyway, duke forward, check it out. Um, that was my parting shot.
3: Uh, and a fine one, an excellent one. Well, uh, that wraps it up for us here on the 29th episode of the uh, DVR podcast. I, as always, am Jason Evans. My thanks to Donald Wine and Sam Fine for joining me. And thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to head coach of the Northwestern Wildcats basketball team former duke player coach chris collins who was with us earlier and was uh, just a fabulous wonderful wonderful guest um folks be sure to check in with us next week when we'll be uh giving you some reaction to the northwestern football game and hopefully one of those duke friends that donald made at the white house will be joining us as a guest if not next week sometime soon we promise um that's it for now um i am jason evans and duke band take us home